Let's pray. I give thanks, Father, I thank you. I give thanks. I give thanks, Father, I thank you. Let the power of my Lord be great. Father, grant us grace. Grant us grace. Open our eyes that we can see. Open our ears that we can hear. Open our hearts like you did for Lydia, that we can attend unto the things which are spoken. Turn us from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto God. And Father, let us only see Jesus. Let us only see Jesus. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn with me to Mark 10. We're going to start there. I almost didn't, and then I couldn't. You know, I, I'll, I'll share something with you. Uh, two weeks ago, I, um, I came out of this meeting, and I went to my office, and I was kind of frustrated. And I was talking to the Lord, and I said, what is it? Is it that I have no revelation but this? Why am I saying the same thing over and over and over again? I said, is this, is this the extent of my heart? Is this the extent of the revelation and faith I have? And, and when I was considering that, the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me, and he said, my word is a fire and a hammer. A fire and a hammer. You know, you don't get this the first time you listen to it. And God is, is using that hammer on our hard hearts, and he's breaking them. And that really encouraged me. And then somebody reminded me about how Doyle for years, I swear it was years. All right, turn to Mark 1. 14 and 15. All right, turn to Mark 1, 14 and 15. You know, it took me years to get it. Well, that's what this word is doing. It is burning. It is beating on our hard hearts, and we're getting delivered. All right, now, uh, John 10, I'm going to read verse 35. It says, if he called them gods, and this is Jesus speaking because it's in red. He said, if he called them gods unto whom the word of God came, and the scripture cannot be broken. That's the phrase we want to look at. That's the phrase that we have said every meeting. The scripture cannot be broken. The word of God is forever. The word of God was here before the earth was created. The word of God is going to be here after the earth is destroyed. The word of God lives and abides forever. You know, I love how somebody described it. The copy of the word is down here. The original is sitting next to the Father in heaven. Jesus is the word, and that word cannot be broken. You can't break Jesus. That word cannot be broken. And I've said that if you get that word, if you believe that word, if you trust in that word, if you have faith in that word, your battle's won. Because the word can't be broken. And the Father cannot lie. And that word can't change. And that word is there forever. But I want to say something quickly about faith. Because I know we are taught, you know, have faith. And in fact, we have bracelets and, and necklaces that say faith. And we don't even know how to have faith. So I want to say a quick word about faith. Turn with me to Romans 4. I'm going to show you what faith is. And like I said, if you have faith in this word, the word cannot be broken. Your battle is won. Your battle's won. And this is why. Uh, Romans 4, I'm going to go to verse 16. It says, therefore, it is of faith. There it is. That's what we got to have. I remember once a conversation with the Lord. I said, why do we have to do this by faith? Why don't you just do it? You know, why don't you just make me prosperous? Why don't you just forgive all my sins? Why don't you just do all this? Why do I have to have faith? Well, that's because God, that's how God does it. 
It's not a choice that God made. That's the way God is. The just shall live by faith. Why? Because that's how God does. The earth was created by faith. The, the world that you see was created by faith. The, the stars stay in the place that they're in and they don't move because of faith. The faith of Jesus that consists. That it's all done by faith. So why do we have to have faith? Because that's the way it's done. That's how it's done. That's how we move. That's how we live. It's by faith. Now, therefore it is up by faith that it might be by grace. Grace, something you didn't work for, something you didn't deserve. It says, to the end the promise might be sure to all the seed. Not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of you and I, us all. As it is written, and this is what God said to Abraham, I have made thee a father of many nations. Before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things be, which be not as though they were. That's faith working. It says, 18, and this is Abraham. Abraham, who against hope, against hope, believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken. According to that which was spoken. So what was his faith going to be in? That which was spoken. What was spoken to him? The word of God. The word of God. God spoke to him and what did he say? So shall thy seed be. That was what God said to Abraham. And that's what God put his faith in. What God said to Abraham, his word. You know, his word that he spoke to Abraham, so shall thy seed be. There wasn't any seed. Abraham had no children and Sarah was barren. But God said, against that, so shall thy seed be. And that's what Abraham had faith in. Now, how did he have faith? How did he believe those words? How do we believe? It's the next the next scripture, he said, and being not weak in faith, and being not weak in faith. Now, I was a reading teacher. I'm going to say, here's your context clue. The definition of faith is going to be in the next phrase. The definition of faith is going to be in the next phrase. He considered not his own body now dead. He considered not. He didn't look at his dead body. He didn't consider it. Oh, he had to feed it every day. He had to, well, he didn't shave. He, he had to put clothes on it every day. He had to take care of it, but he didn't consider that it was dead. What did he do? It said, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about 100 years old. Neither did he consider the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not. At the promise of God. What was that promise? So shall thy seed be. Those were words. Abraham put his faith in words. He didn't put his faith in a feeling. He put his faith in those words that God spoke to him. So shall thy seed be. Through unbelief, I said, he staggered not at the promise of God. So shall thy seed be. Through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded. That what he had promised, he was able to perform. He did not consider his own body. He didn't consider how he felt. 
He didn't consider his circumstances. He didn't even consider his old wife. What did he keep in front of him? What the word said, what God said to him, so shall thy seed be. And 25 years later, the seed showed up. The seed showed up. Now I want you to consider this. When he put his faith in the word of God, he was 75 years old. And he got worse, and he got worse, and he got worse, and Sarah got older, and older, and older. It got worse. Did he look at it getting worse? No. He considered not his own body even when it got worse. And what happened when he put his faith, his trust, his hope, he made the decision. Like I said last week, it is a choice. Abraham chose to believe what God said above what he saw, what he felt. And 25 years later, up shows his son Isaac. His Isaac. That, that is a short lesson on faith. And I'll show you what happened. If you go back a chapter on Romans 3, verse 7. I love this scripture. It says, for the truth of God. For the truth of God. We have a whole book here of the truth of God. These words cannot be broken. These are the words of God. This is the word sitting next to the Father. That's his words right here. It says the word, it says, it, it states right here. It says, for if the truth of God hath more abounded through my lie. Do you see what the word of God did with Abraham? It abounded through what he saw. And it abounded through how he felt. And it abounded how bad Sarah was looking. Although at 90, she looked pretty good. But it abounded through his lie. What was his lie? The word of God said he was going to have a son. The lie was he was too old. He was getting old. He was dying. His faith, his hope, his choice was to look at the word. And that abounded through the lie. And Isaac came. You know, Sarah had to do the same thing. Sarah had to do the same thing. Sarah, a woman, had to do the same thing. She could not look at her own body getting worse and worse. She couldn't do that. She had to keep what Abraham told her that God said. And Isaac came up. You know, because of Isaac, we had Jesus. We had Jesus. Because of Isaac, we had Jesus. Now that we have that quick lesson, let's go to, uh, let's go to 1 Peter 1. What are we doing here? What we are doing here. 1 Peter 1, verse 1. Likewise, you wives, and that is women right here that have a husband. If you don't have a husband, you're still considered here. Be in subjection to your own husbands that if any obey not the word, they may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives. You want to be epistle of the word of God? You want to be epistle of the gospel? You don't kick the husband out. You walk in the gospel and you get the husband in. All right? And if that husband refuses, God will deal with him. Your job is to believe. He is not your enemy. He is a potential Christian. 
All right. Now, while they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear, whose adorning, let it not be that outward adorning of plaiting of the hair, wearing of gold, putting on apparel. Don't let your beauty be on the outside. Don't let your beauty be on the outside. Where should it be? But let it be the hidden man of the heart. That which is not corruptible. That which is not corruptible. Even the ornament of a meek and a quiet spirit. A meek and a quiet spirit. Which in the sight of God is of great price. Do you know that if you have a meek and a quiet spirit, the whole world could fall apart in front of you and you are still meek and quiet. Why? Because you have the meek and quiet man in you. We are after the heart. You know, you cannot save with your head. You cannot be saved with your head. Your head cannot save you. You can read that scripture till you're blue in the face and it won't do a thing for you. Saving, getting us to that meek and quiet spirit is a work of the heart. It's a work of the heart. And this is where our churches, our Sunday schools, our women's auxiliary meetings have messed up. They did not realize that it's a work of the heart. It's not telling you how to arrange your kitchen. It is not telling you how to cook this certain meal. It is a work of the heart. You are saved in the heart. And you know, when God saves that heart, what I love to see, and I've seen it here, I've seen it in my own mirror, the more the heart is saved, the better the countenance looks. The prettiest, the prettier the countenance looks. You know, like I was sharing yesterday, I knew a woman that I worked with in, in Frisco. She owned the building that I had the sign company in. And her face, she was in her 70s, and her face was covered in wrinkles. Covered. She, she grew up picking cotton in the summertime. She was in the, the sun a lot. I mean, she had wrinkles where you wouldn't think there were wrinkles. Her face was completely wrinkled, and it was one of the most beautiful faces I have ever seen. One of the most beautiful. Why, it had some life in it. It had some life in it. Now that we've got that, let's go to Luke 4. We are after a meek and a quiet spirit. But you know what? We've also, we have shared about Jeremiah 8, where it says, God, speaking through Jeremiah, said, they have only healed my daughters slightly. They have only healed my daughter slightly. And here, with the conversation between God and Jeremiah, God is upset that his daughters, his daughters, are healed only slightly. And that is one of the things God is after here. He wants to heal the heart. He wants to heal the heart. And we're going to look at some scriptures that until the other day, I had read them and read them and read them a hundred times. And yet, God opened up my eyes even more. And I was, the wonder, the, the word has so many precious things in it. And I'm going to share it with you. All right, we're going to go to Luke 4. And I'm going to go to verse 16. And this is Jesus. He has been in the wilderness 40 days. Now, up until Jesus was baptized in the Holy Ghost, he never did one miracle. He couldn't. He couldn't, like we said before, and I hope that someday we'll be able to get into this more, but Jesus left all his godly ability in heaven. 
He was a God. It says that in John 1. He said the Word, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. Well, you can't have a with unless there's two. So the Word was with God, and He was a God. And it said the two were in heaven, but that Word, that Word, gave it all up, and He came in the flesh. He became a man like you and I. And like I said before, He had to. You can't kill a God, and a man had to die to make up for what the first man did. The man had to die for us. So Jesus had to become a man. So now he's in the wilderness 40 days. He's just been baptized in the Holy Ghost. Hasn't done any miracles yet, but he stood face to face with Satan. He had, and, and it says that he was tempted 40 days. He just didn't have uh, three little instances, three little episodes with Satan. He was tempted 40 days. 40 days and 40 nights, constantly tempted. Then he meets up with Satan himself. So now he, is, he has overcome uh, meeting Satan. And now it says in verse 16, after all that, he said he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up as his custom was when he was younger. He said he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. But things are different now. Before he didn't have the Holy Ghost. Before he wasn't baptized and he wasn't baptized in water. Now he is. Things have changed. It says, and there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. He requested it. And when he had opened the book, he found the place. He was looking for a particular place. He just didn't open the book and start reading. Where it was written. And this is what he said. Now let's look at these words. This is why God sent Jesus. All right? This is why. These next words, Jesus reading out of the book of Isaiah, is why God sent Jesus. Ever wondered why? Here's your why. It says, verse 18, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. God put the Holy Ghost on Jesus. Why? Why? Because. God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost. Why? Next word is because. He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has anointed me. He gave me the ability. He gave me that anointing. He gave me the spirit to preach the gospel to the poor. Now, poor is not just poor in money. It's poor in, in position. It's poor in attitude. It's being meek. It's lowly. It's being destitute of whatever. Destitute of money, destitute of position, destitute of, of um, a way of life, but needy. Needy. It's a good word to put there. Needy. Thank you, Jesus. Now, look at the next one. Look at this next one. This is why God sent Jesus. This is one of the reasons why. Right up there with preaching the gospel. What's the next one? He has sent me. God sent Jesus. God sent Jesus. Jesus, here's one of your jobs. To heal the brokenhearted. Did you know that was in there? God sent Jesus to heal the brokenhearted. That was one of the reasons God sent Jesus. 
You know, if God sent Jesus to heal the brokenhearted, he knew there was a whole lot of brokenhearted people around. Do you know why some parents beat their children? They're brokenhearted. Did you ever consider that? Have you ever been so mad at your kids and set yourself down and say, why am I acting like this? You're brokenhearted. You're brokenhearted. Some of it is because you're brokenhearted. And God sent Jesus to fix it. He said they're brokenhearted. Remember, Jesus didn't come to condemn. He came to save. He came to save. Why do you do some of the things you do that you don't like? Why do you say some of the things you say and you don't like what you say. We gotta get the heart healed. You gotta heal the heart. We heal the heart. And the Father sent Jesus not only to preach the gospel, but to heal the brokenhearted. When you are in that tough place, you can bring up these words again, like I said, with your choice and say, I'm gonna choose to believe that God sent Jesus to heal my broken heart. Why do some people go to drugs? Why do some people go to alcohol? Because they're broken hearted. They're broken hearted. If we only knew how much God loved us, we wouldn't do the things we do. Let's go on. Not only to heal the broken hearted, but to preach deliverance to the captives. To preach deliverance. Not condemnation, deliverance. You know, I've watched my mother be addicted to prescription drugs. I watched it. I watched days where she would be in her bedroom and she wouldn't come out. I watched her take those drugs. You know what? Jesus, God sent Jesus to, to uh, I'm going to get it, I want to get the words exactly right, to preach deliverance to the captives. To preach deliverance to the captives. You know what? My mother got delivered. My mother got delivered. This is a woman that one day, they took me out of school when I was in seventh grade, and they said, we need you to babysit the neighbor's kids. Okay, why? I mean, they pulled me right out of class. They said, we need you to babysit the, the neighbor's kids, but don't, don't, don't get too upset, but we got to rush your mother to the hospital. She overdosed. think it was easy babysitting the next door neighbor kids yeah she overdosed why she had a broken heart she had a broken heart she couldn't get it fixed but you know what Jesus fixed it Jesus fixed it I watched my mother delivered I watched my mother I watched God deliver my mother she is one happy settled. Well, Kathy, um, you, we, you, need, you, you, know, you and I need to pray about this. That's my mother. That's my mother. Why? Because God sent Jesus to, set, to send deliverance to the captives. Did you know that's why he was sent? It wasn't to condemn us. It was to get us out of this stuff. And the next one, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty. Look at this one. This is why God sent Jesus. This is why 
God sent Jesus. He couldn't go. He was God. He couldn't get off the throne. He had to send somebody else. He sent his son. He sent Jesus. And why did he send him? To set at liberty them that are bruised. To set at liberty them that are bruised. Bruised. Have you ever had somebody say something to you that just cut to the heart? I tell you, I was a school teacher. I watched teachers say things to children that they never should have said. I have watched parents say things to their children that crush them, that crush them. You know why God sent Jesus this last part to set at liberty? You know what that word is? To release them from being crushed. God, Jehovah, sent his only son to release you from being crushed, released you from being crushed. That's why God sent Jesus. Yeah, I know, I know some of you are feeling the pain. Thank God for the pain. You know why? That's the Holy Ghost. That's the Holy Ghost working on the healing. That's why he sent Jesus. He just didn't send Jesus so you would be prosperous. He just didn't send Jesus so your sins would be forgiven, so you would be justified. But he sent Jesus that your broken heart would be healed. So the Father knew you had a broken heart. Do you hear that? The Father knew you had a broken heart. That's why he sent Jesus. He sent us to set at liberty those that are captive. Those that the devil has bound. That's why he sent Jesus. He knew they did. And so he sends Jesus to set the captive free. And then, and then, that last part, I want to get the words right. To set at liberty, to release them that are bruised. Bruised. Words, bruised. They hurt. They crush. And God knew it. So what's he do? He sends Jesus. He sends Jesus. Now, let's go to Luke 4. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm going to go to um, Luke 19. We're going to take a look. You know, uh, the, when, I was a, was I, when I was a student, I always wanted to know what that teacher was going to be like that I was going to have their class before I got in there. I wanted any heads up. You know, I, I mean, I remember one teacher, what was it, something about, don't ever mention this in her class. Okay, thank you. You know, that's something to take note. I mean, I wanted to know what I was getting into. Well, I'm going to give us a little, uh, I'm going to share some scriptures today that'll give you an idea of what Jesus is like because you're going to go to him. To get healed, we've got to go to him. We've got to go to him. Jesus said you must be born again. And to get born again, you've got to go to him. You got to call on his name. Now, we got issues. We have broken hearts. God knows it. We have hurts. We have words that have bruised us. We have people that have hurt us. And now you tell us to go to Jesus. Well, what's he going to do? What's he going to do? Is he going to hurt us more? I mean, like I told you, I went to a denomination that, that they basically said God had a big stick. And the first time you messed up, he was going to knock you with it. That is nowhere in the scriptures. Now, let's see what Jesus is like. 
All right, Luke 19, I'm going to begin in verse 1. And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was chief among the publicans, and he was rich. Now, the publicans at that time, they were, hmm, how do we put this? They were lower than the politicians we have today. They were scum. They were lowlifes. You know why? Because they collected money for the Romans who were their enemy. So nobody liked the publicans. Even Jesus says it over and over again about the publicans. Nobody liked them. They were at the bottom. They were the offscoring. Nobody's going to talk to a publican. Uh, the, the priests even get mad when you did. And look at this. The chief among the publicans, and he was rich. How did he get rich? Taking the Jews' money. Taking his own countrymen's money. He collected for the Romans. And a lot of times those publicans collected more than they were supposed to. And they made themselves rich. And you'll see here, it looks like this one did too. So now we got a low life. We got the other side of the tracks. We got somebody everybody hates. And it says, and he sought to see Jesus. He sought to see Jesus. This low life, this rich sought to see Jesus. He wanted to see Jesus. And he could not for the press because he was little of stature. And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see Jesus. For he was to pass by that way. And it said, and when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste. Zacchaeus, make haste. Come down, for today I must abide at thy house. He's going to go to a house of a man that is a that is a real sinner, a really good sinner. Uh, everybody hates sinner, all right? And when he made haste and he came down and he received him joyfully, notice, notice, Zacchaeus sought to see Jesus. He sought, he wanted to see Jesus. Do you know that anybody that wants to see Jesus, Jesus will make sure you get there. Jesus will make sure you see him. If you go after Jesus, he's going to meet you. Now, it says, and Jesus came to the place. Oh, I'm sorry. And when they saw it, they all murmured, saying, He has gone to be a guest with a man that is a sinner. He's gone into a sinner's house. You know, according to their law, that would make Jesus unclean. But Jesus goes into Zacchaeus' house. And, Jesus, and Zacchaeus stood and said unto Jesus, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And he said, and if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, there's a chance there, folks, he took some money he wasn't supposed to, I will restore to him fourfold. Why did he do that? He got to see Jesus. He had dinner with Jesus. And look at what Jesus said. Look at what Jesus says about this sinner. When we have to go to see Jesus, look what he says. This day is salvation. Come to this house for as much as he also is the son of Abraham. For the son of man is come to seek, to seek and to save that which was lost. He has come to seek and save. Seek. Did you know Jesus was looking for you? Did you know Jesus was looking for you? 
He said, he, Jesus himself said, the Son of Man is come to seek and save that which was lost. To come and seek, seek and save. That's the man we go to. He's seeking for you. He came to find you and to save you. He didn't come to condemn you. He didn't come to put you in a bad place. He didn't come to punish you. He didn't come to punish you. He came to save you. And when you're in those dark hours and you are getting your heart worked on, you've got to remember these words. You have to choose to believe these words. You've got to choose to look at them and not how you feel. Because, friends, there are going to be a thousand voices talking to you. There are a thousand voices when you start after Jesus that are going to talk to you. And you're going to have to choose to look at these words, to believe these words, just like Abraham did. Trust in these words and not how you feel and not what you see. But to trust that Jesus came to seek you and to save you. And the first thing he's going to do is he's going to get you born again. Jesus said, you must be born again. How are you born again? You go to the man that is seeking and wants to save you. You go to Jesus and you say, Jesus, I want you to save me. I believe that you died and you were buried and you rose again from me. I believe that. And when you believe that and you say it to him with your mouth, it says, those that call on the man that came to seek you and save you, those that call on him shall be saved. And it also says in another place, shall be delivered. Amen. Behold, I know the plans I have for you, saith the Lord. They are plans for good, not for evil. Bring you a future and a hope. In these days when you pray, I will listen. I will listen. And you will find me if you seek me, if you will look for me with all your heart. And you will find me. You will find me. And I will deliver you. And I will heal you. And I will open your heart, and I will come and dwell with you and give you that meek and quiet spirit, saith the Lord. Amen. Thank you for joining Kathy Davidson and the ministers of music from Water of Life Church. She would love to hear from you. You may reach her by email at kd at kdwol.com. Or you may write her at Kathy Davidson, Care of Water of Life Church, Post Office Box 861-327, Plano, Texas 75086. You may find her on the internet at www.kdwol.com and on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, God bless.